Toby Flood. Don't say! Oh my god! Get up, boy! Get up, boy! He must have a foot like a traction engine! Unbelievable, Jeff! Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Crashball Diaries. Uh, I'm your host, Johnny Bisbee, and it's great to have you back with us. So on today's show, I have you know, a new panel of guests. Unfortunately, my regular co-host, Mr. Robert Edwards, can't be with us this evening um, due to other commitments. I believe he's gone for a game of badminton with some of his friends in Switzerland. I hope he, uh, yeah. hope has, hope he has a good day out on that. However, he will be hosting a salary cap special of the weekend, focusing on Saracens and their um, salary misjudgments. So we aren't going to cover that topic in too much detail today. But you know, it's you know a big topic that's obviously in the forefront of news. And uh, we're getting back to today's podcast um, and to digest some of the other highlights of this week. Um, I'd like to introduce you to our panel, my co-host for this evening, uh, our first guest, um, is of course Mr. Joseph Casti. Uh, how are you, Joe? Hi, John. I'm absolutely superb. Great, great to be here. Uh, great to speak to you again. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to the show. Superb. Um, you played a bit of Union last weekend yourself. How'd you get on? Any meat pies? Uh, we uh, we actually lost in the last minute of the game and it was uh, 36-32 to Billingham. And a uh, bit of a bit of a hard one to take, to be honest, Johnny. And it was on a 4G pitch, so we made for a good quick game. But I've got uh, severe burns on my knees from the pitch. <laughs> uh, interesting so as well have you got any uh, plans for the weekend uh, I'm actually going to Munich John to ISPO it's an ice sports uh, conference in Munich so uh, flying there tomorrow nice and early get the coffee in at 4am and uh, yeah read it up. is that with a female by any chance <laughs> yeah uh, my, uh, my sister yeah so <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I hope you have a, a pleasant weekend. And our, our other guest today is a Crashable Diaries debut for our old friend and fellow London working professional, Mr. Jonathan Harwood. Great to have you on, John. Hi, Johnny. Um, just want to say what a pleasure it is to be on this up and coming business podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the you know, day, John, um, <laughs> it's great to have you on the show. You know, tell us a bit about yourself. You, I know you're an avid rugby fan. Uh, I know your playing careers were very elusive over the years, but uh, I believe you had uh, a nickname at university, uh, Brian Moore. And can you give us a bit more insight into you know these? Um, I mean, yeah, I can. Um, from what I hear, the origins of the name come from um, a fan of Sheffield Engineers Rugby Club, Mr. Phil Pickstock. And um, once we were training before a game, and uh, he saw that I was training in an England jersey. Um, you know the the purple gold one from about seven years ago or so, like, something like that. And he said, um, who the fuck is this Brian Moore fella? Um, <laughs> and the name sort of stuck with me since. Um, but yeah, that's where it came from, from the engineers. Okay, then let's get straight into uh, the topics from the week without going into too much detail on the salary cap discussion. The big report which was leaked last night, which includes details of some of the players, including, uh, the pay, including you know, the likes of Maratoji as well as many players who have left the club. Briefly, boys, what did you make of you know the discoveries? Um, personally, I, I'm, I'm quite disappointed we don't get to see the uh, forensic accounting report. Um, obviously, I had the choice of that getting forensically um, checked, 
or uh, taking relegation, and somehow they took relegation. So there must be something going on there, and I'm quite disappointed not to find out really what what's happened. I would uh, I would second that. I uh, yeah, agree with Harwood, um, and I'd also say that um, I think a lot of the England players from one seeing the internationals. I think Farrell, uh, Jamie George. It looks like they're going to stick with the club go down for the season and uh, take what they are going to class as a bit of a sabbatical season. So um, it looks like they, uh, they're going to go down. And if that is the case, are, the, uh, are they going to get picked for the Lions? Are they going to still be in England contention? I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're opening a bit of a can of worms there. You know? Focusing on England, how, how do you think this will affect, you know, the squad going into the Six Nations? You know, Eddie Jones has come out and said that he will fix these uh, I suppose tensions between players potential uh, tensions do we think there'll be any, any unrest I mean would you hold grudges yourself I, I, what, I really what unrest is there going to be I mean really the other players from other teams yeah. you know, they're not going to start blaming the likes of Farrell Atoje who are already the most senior players in the England squad you know they're not going to go over and say oh you're a disgrace are they to the big dogs they're just not yeah, going to do it also if I may say I mean you look at people like, you know, your Willie Hineses, your Ben Youngs, who, to be honest, aren't going to be there for that very that, that much longer. And some would say we're lucky to get in that squad. They'll just be happy to be there, I think, in my opinion. And, and at, the, at the end of the day, it's all about it's all about the team winning. And they, they, they won't want this to get in the way themselves. I still think I still think England are going to do have a good Six Nations. It's just whether it's the Grand Slam or, uh, or second place. Hmm. Yeah, who do you think... In contention, Harwood. Do you think the French have got a chance this year? I think I honestly, I'm going to put some money. I I am going to put some money on the French um, because it's. I mean, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have done it. It's this England game. If they got England at home on the first game and they win that match, who, who else could they could beat everyone else? If they can beat us or beat us at their gaff, in my opinion. Just don't know, dear. You literally don't know with with that French team. But they've got big old Sean Edwards now. Lining up that defence, yeah. getting them all gritty in their face. <laughs> it's them early, lads. Chop them early. Get in there. Chop them early. And make sure you know they're bloody there. Up, <laughs> oh, lads. Up, oh, lads. Get off the ground now. It's going to be That reminds me of a certain uh, coach at the Sheffield Engineers Rugby Club. To be honest, it reminded me of uh, Mr. Alan Chandratude when it came to fitness <laughs> and him telling me to keep on trying when I was back of the pack. Um, but, yeah, bad times. <laughs> when, I, when I had the privilege of being coached by Mr. Chanderchud, he uh, he didn't actually attend any of the matches, so I I wasn't fortunate enough to experience any of his uh, his off the pitch sort of wisdom from the sidelines. It was just in training, so um, unfortunately I didn't get any of that chat. Getting back to the England squad, John, you mentioned you know some of the scrum halves who've been uh, selected. There were some other uh, other. If, if I may, I mean. From 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 a prop, uh, as, as I play tight myself for the engineers, um, I'm I'm very happy to see the back of Dan Cole. Um, don't get me wrong, he's a great had a great service country, but we've got to move on. We we do have to move on. Yeah, definitely. People, it's people like him lived off the the tight head specialist position, yet offering absolutely nothing around the pitch elsewhere. I think. I mean, he offered penalties at the breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, maybe not the right way. I think about three years ago, he had one season where I think in the Six Nations, he maybe got about three or four turnovers. And I think the BBC did like a, a five-minute segment before every England match about 
how it's great <laughs> to have like this, uh, this tight head who can get around the pitch and, and turn the ball over. And uh, he's kind of lived off that for the past, you know, for the rest of his career, really. So, yeah, like Paul would say, quite, quite glad to see the back of Dan Cole. I don't really think he offered very much in comparison to the likes of Marco Vunapola um, and, you know, Kyle Sinclair, tight head to actually move around the pitch. But surely he's a big name. Sort of... A presence in the squad. He's been there, you know, how many caps has, has Dan Cole? He must, must be in his 70s, 80s, um, I presume. Yeah. I think if there's any, I think if there's any time to get rid of these caps, it's now. Um, yeah. Looking forward, um, I'm not sure about Harry Williams either. I mean, yeah, I mean he's a big lad, um, likes the niggle, but um, I'm not sure if I mean he's going he, to obviously have a chance to prove himself. I, I mean, I'm more interested in talking about the um, the new entries such as Ben Earl. Yeah, I mean, I know he toured before with them but didn't get any caps, but players like that, I mean, I'm I'm pretty excited to see him play. Yeah, Ben L's taken um, during the World Cup. He was you know, the star of Saracens and cemented himself as, you know, a top top level up inside. He, he plays anywhere, but I think oh, I think he plays best again. at eight. <laughs> you know, Jacob Manga from from Wasps. Does he leapfrogged? Um, what's his name? Marcus Smith. I mean, being, I'm not you know, behind Ford and, and Farrell. Let's let's not forget what his uncle did to Brian O'Driscoll in 2005. Opening, yeah. uh, opening match of the Lions against New Zealand, that spear tackle, which these days would probably get a ban of about four months, and he managed to stay on the pitch after intentionally dislocating the inspirational captain and leader's shoulder. Um, he, he was a player and a half, though. Tana well, he, he, I mean, he, he was, but I mean, I think that just summed the guy up. An absolute savage, an absolute animal, uh, and a disgrace to the game. And to be honest, <laughs> you know, it is definitely... If his nephew's got anything anything about him, he will change his surname before playing for uh, England. There's also people that I'm glad to see not get in the squad, and also most in particular uh, Nick, Tom, Nick uh, Tompkins. I'm yeah. absolutely gutted he's not been picked for the England squad. And now he's gone to Wales, and it's that's over now. Um, but he had to make a choice sometime, I guess. I see that there is a lot of competition. You know, you got your you got your Jonathan Joseph, you got your Henry Slade, you got your Joe Marchant, um, you got your Manu. Yeah. Um, but I mean. I mean, let's just give him a cap against Italy or something. Pick him. I mean, surely yeah. that's that's the way to do it. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty disappointed he's not picked. I'm not really that bothered about this younger Gloucester lad. I mean, he is—he does look like a good player, but he's only been around for about two, three weeks. Whereas uh, Tomkins has been doing it for a good couple of seasons now, and I was surprised he didn't get picked up even earlier. Gloucester. Hmm. Some of the other there's quite a few Mexter uh, uh, missions. You know the. Simmons brothers, Sam's been in, in very good form this season. Johnny Hill and uh, Devoto's is Devoto in the squad. I think he is. I think he is in the squad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about Don Brandt at Quinns? He another sort of mission with, especially with Bonapola's injury. There's no specialist eight really in the squad. Could we see an opportunity for some of the new back rowers to to make the claim? I think. Um, I think the France game, Le Crunch. Uh, I think Billy Vunapola is going to be a big miss because he obviously, as we all know, is one of the biggest ball carriers in the game. Um, and I think against a big, big old pack in France, um, we're going to miss him because even if he's not carrying that well, he still attracts a lot of defenders. And I can't think, I mean, who, who else have we got who's a real good ball carrier in that pack now? I, just I, I agree. I mean, I mean, I, the way I see it is that the, the pack's obviously got to be different. I mean, if you put a Toji at six, you've still got that meat, haven't you? I mean, 
I think I see it being a Toji six, Curry seven, and um, Earl, at, Earl at eight. To be honest, yeah. Um, with with Underhill on the bench, Courtney Laws and uh, Cruise Dog in the uh, in the in the second row. I mean, I still think there's some mass there. Just got to change the game plan. Is 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 uh, Cruise um, going to stay around for long? I've heard rumours about him going to France. So oh yeah, he's fucking he's off, like... mate. I reckon he's fucking off. You reckon? Yeah, yeah. He's not going to pick to the Lions. Mm. Incredibly doubtful on that. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the the Lions documentary where uh, where he basically has a fucking shocking game in one of the midweek matches and just gets dropped completely from the test squad. I was playing the first I'm test. Not the most recent Lions documentary is it? Uh, is it worth a watch? The New Zealand one. It's, it's definitely worth a watch. It's better than the um, the New Zealand side documentary on Amazon Prime. That is a load of dog shit. Um, uh, but I mean, as far as Lions series go, I'd say '97 is number one without a doubt. And then I think this one probably competes with probably thirteen. Have you seen '09 when they're in South Africa? That's quite good. Mm. Yeah, that was that wasn't bad. What's this? What, what's uh, who's the uh, second row for Ireland with his fucking uh, pants out? Uh, oh, Don, uh, Don Crow Callahan. What a fucking geezer he is. He's a good lad, and I I also like the scene where Phil Vickery is headbutting. Andrew Sheridan, trying to get him up for a match. I mean, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty savage stuff by Vickers. But uh, Sheringham was an absolute beast. Apparently, biggest bench in the England squad, even when Tuilangi was there. So, there you go. Dude, what was the thing about Andy Farrell having the biggest ben- uh, bench in the England squad when he was a coach? Was that apparently? Was that apparently, when Tuilangi was injured, he had the biggest bench out of all the players. Even. <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous yeah. man that's ridiculous but, but did you did you did, I think I've heard rumours a, a few years ago that Will Kenya was pinching the most in Australia what really not yeah <laughs> you see the bloke he's just fucking huge man he's got no he's got he's got nowhere to go up as well he's, he's a small bloke isn't he that's got well, to be like, that's got like to Johnny be bollocks in, uh, in S10 Johnny Bisbee if you look at him you know small frame looks like a little bit of a maggot when he gets on that bench press, you know, he, he cracks out real good reps on 100 kg. You know, he's uh, he's actually quite a strong man. Oh, thanks for that. Thanks for that admission, Joe. Um, it, it would be nice if I um, could say the same about yourself. I know you you struggled to hit, um, what was it, 60 kilograms on and deadlifts most weeks. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's good to, good to hear that you're um, you're back in the gym and you're playing your, your sports. I feel like the city life's really taking a toll. Someone said to me you've actually got a bit of a gust these days. Bit of a beer gut. Is that is that the case? Or who's um, and who's been spreading these rumours? Well, I've just heard from a few people, a few a few female sources actually, um, that you are uh, carrying a bit of weight around the midriff. You know, it's nice to enjoy yourself <laughs> while you're in the uh, the big city. I suppose. Um, you know, you've you've still not recovered. Um, indulging your appetites far too much, far too much, John. Speaking about that, John, how's the uh, how's the missus? Yeah, she's good. Um, good time at brunch. On Saturday after the podcast, um, yeah, you know. Did you tell her about the pod? Uh, I did. She actually uh, listened in uh, to the pod um, the other day, complimented me on presenting skills. She said uh, a few of the guests were quite funny. Spending forty-five minutes doing that, she she must be. She's got something about her. She must like you because uh, <laughs> Christ, that was uh, it was painful viewing to be honest. But, uh, yeah. 
Getting back to the actual topic of the England squad, I know that the selection of Josh Hodge at Newcastle uh, is like an apprentice in the squad. I'm obviously playing for a, the championship team this season. Shows that Eddie Jones, well, he is, and he will be looking at the championship next year, given that Saracens will be playing. So do you expect Saracens next year to have them still contribute quite a few players to, to England, obviously? Uh, yeah, 100%. Why, why would you not pick Owen Farrell if he's playing the championship? If it was Wales, they would. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. But I'm sure about just a standard championship player getting in. This Josh Oslads, I think. How old is he? Like 19, 20. Yeah. Well, There's way some 20, 29 year old Dave Bell playing for Doncaster. Is 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 going to be getting scouted anytime soon? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll tell you something, I'll tell you something, when I was playing on Saturday, uh, we had this lad playing for us, I'd never met him before, and uh, he was playing number eight, right, and he was absolutely, he was about six foot two, six foot three, built like a brick shit house. anyway, as the game went on, he was carrying the ball more and more, and he was like, you know, there was times at the scrum, when I was just saying to him, I was saying, look, I don't even want to just pick it up and run at the 10, and he's making good yards and all this, anyway, probably the best player on the pitch, I would say, um, and after the match, I found out he was 16 years old. 16, and he was... He was <laughs> and honestly, he was chopping them. I've never seen anything like it, but apparently... Uh, so there's a bloke who used to coach at our club who still comes down to the club all the time, and he's the uh, head of the academy at the Falcons. And he rang up and he said, listen, this lad, he's just killing everybody at age group level. Like, he, he's too... He's basically too powerful. So I wanted to get him playing senior rugby. So he asked if he could play, if he could play with us, and he was an animal. Then he got man of the match, had a neck his pint at the end of the match, and uh, he beat everyone with that. No, no, that's not you. Takes you ten minutes to even have a sit. Run the floor after three beers. Down a pint uh, in front row in the week chief in uh, in Ealing once, and that took you about half an hour. Claiming you had concussion. Horse shit, that. I reckon I've still got it under three or four seconds. You know, easy. Well, you you probably do. You drinking. Yeah. Anyway, obviously we've we've delved into a little bit of the the squad sort of selections, and for more information on the Six Nations, the CBD will be naming the um, the 15s from from all the Six Nations over the weekend in the the special as mentioned. So for a comprehensive insight into the squads, please tune into that. I know some of the big matchups. We've been, we've been talking about in recent weeks, but what I want to focus on uh, isn't necessarily physical battle between two players on the field, but it is, of course, Farrell v Farrell, Owen and Andy uh, come up against each other, the England skipper against his dad, who is the new head coach of Ireland. How do you see that one panning out, boys? I see England winning. I mean, that, that's, I mean obviously, obviously this is all said before and all that, but I really do think we're we're going to beat Ireland. Um, well, is it is it in Ireland? No, no, I'm going actually. It's at Twickenham. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, what about I the the Farrell Andy Farrell rivalry uh, specifically? Well, Andy Farrell, um, I actually do like the guy quite a lot. I think he's a bit of a hard nosed, uh, you know, ex rugby league man, serial winner. However, I do fear for him slightly in that I think. Um, Joe Schmidt sort of maximised about a year ago Ireland's potential. If you remember going into the Six Nations, all the Irish, everyone was saying that they were favourites for the Six Nations. They'd just beaten New Zealand in the Autumn Nationals. 
And now if you look at some of their key players, the likes of Sexton, they're getting a bit over the hill. And who's he got coming in? I'm not saying there isn't potential there. But Andy Farrell obviously left England after the failure at the World Cup. And I think he took a lot of a lot of the blame. A lot of people were saying that he was he was overruling uh, the head coach, Stuart Lancaster. He was trying to make decisions. He was the one who brought Sam Burgess in when that shouldn't have happened, etc. So if this goes badly for Farrell, um, I don't see him getting another head coach position for a very long time. I think uh, I'm not saying that he won't do well, but it's it's a big risk I think he's taken. I don't think he'll walk into another big job like that again if he gets it wrong. Yeah, I, um, you know, I understand some of the points um, you make, particularly on you know the players' uh, agent point of view. You know, Johnny Sexton had quite a poor World Cup, didn't he? He's, you know, he's not had a great 12 months since being named uh, the best player in the world. Conor Murray as well. He was one of the best mm. players in the world about a year but, or two ago. So, not looking great at the minute. So he's been named the captain, uh, Sexton, yeah. for the Irish. Um, for me. <laughs> That is ridiculous. <laughs> what is that they're doing at captain now? I can't. I can't even believe like he's in the squad. To be honest, I, I, don't get me wrong. He's I, a great player. Directly, he's done that though to just try and uh, ease the transition. Like he's trying to get the senior players on the side early. Andy Farrell, being the Englishman in Ireland, he's trying to get the likes of Sexton and whatnot on side. Uh, doesn't want to shake things up too much, and then try over the next few years to sort of uh, ease. Ease them out. Yeah, I, I can I can understand that, but I mean, when when you're a player, I mean, I'm not saying he's an amazing player, but when you're when you're Billy Burns or someone who's been on pretty good form, you've got to say recently playing quite a lot of rugby and play, playing it all right. Just to see Johnny Sexton just come back playing about two games a, a se- two games a season for Leinster and then just playing the European match, just walking into the squad when actually he hasn't really been in form for about half a year. You'd be you'd be pissed off, wouldn't you? Mm. What about Joey? What about Joey Carberry? Is he still around? I think he's injured, isn't he? He's a top player in. Yeah, he seems like a good lad as well. So, yeah, you can catch the Six Nations, um, ITV and BBC are sharing the coverage once more. You know, what's, what's your favourite What's your favorite between the two of the, um, of the channels? I've got, you know? I've, got a, uh, I've got, look, I've got, to get, I've got to get this out. I've got a strong opinion on this. So, initially, when it went to ITV as well as BBC, I was very, very frustrated because I thought less and less stuff's on the BBC now. Obviously, I like the fact that the BBC doesn't have the adverts and all this sort of stuff. Remember, we were at university at the time. However, since ITV have come into the game, their punditry and their coverage is so much better. I mean, BBC have had the same pundits on since we were kids, and they literally yeah. don't even know they don't even know the game anymore. Half of them, the game's changed so much, and they just talk right. the same old crap. And then ITV have got Brian O'Driscoll, Johnny Wilkinson. Like, all these, you know, more up-to-date, like, like, you know, it's just... I actually prefer the punditry on ITV than BBC. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure about uh, Pugac as presenter. I'm more of a Mark Inverdale man, to be honest. But um, when, you, yeah, when like you're right about that, I mean, Gus Scott is just so out of date. I mean, I don't know when his last actual match was that he played, but he's ridiculous. So is Jonathan Davies. Brian Moore just moans all day. And when you got you got flat... You got, um, you got Delalio. I mean, what, what more do you want? I mean, it, the difference is there, but I mean, I still do agree the adverts do ruin half time. Yeah, yeah. Who do you think would win in a scrap these days? Pitbull, Brian Moore, or um, 
Jonathan Davies as a younger man. Actually, Pitbull's always going to win that, no matter what. He's always going to win yeah, that. Pitbull. Those two go at it. They go at it all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is. Who else I can't stand? I cannot stand the main commentator, the Welsh guy, Eddie, uh, what's he called? Eddie Butler. Eddie Butler. Oh, honestly, I hate Yeah, him. I know. The way, oh. the way when, when France are playing and he puts this stupid accent on pronouncing the names. Uh, this is, I think what, that's what I love about Brian Moore is when he literally tells him to just shut up. I've heard him do it a few <laughs> times where he tells, he said to Eddie Butler, just shut up, Eddie, or, you know, basically tell him to shut up. It's just, uh, it's class. Just kicked it away again, for God's sake! <laughs> <laughs> Find Brian Moore as much. I mean, he is a bit biased, but I mean, at least when England are playing shit, he will call them out. When you've got Jonathan Davies, all we will just say is that there's numbers that arrive and how how amazing Wales are all the time, and it's fucking annoying. I don't know about you. I quite like Sam Wilson. He's not he's not bad, but Jonathan Davies. I mean, he's obviously a lovely bloke, but let's get rid. Paul O'Connell. Paul O'Connell is very good, and uh, when they get Martin Johnson on. I don't think Johnson's great, but I'm always interested to hear what he says just because he's such a I, legend. I, I, think, but, uh, I think I think Jono is, is, is got is, is good at explaining mentality of going into matches and stuff like that. Whereas yeah. Paul O'Connell is more technical, but the actual mentality yeah. stuff, yeah, I do like. I think Johnny Wilk weird though. Some of the things he says is just a bit out there. If it wasn't Johnny Wilkinson saying it, he wouldn't be having. A... <laughs> hmm. But I guess he is just uh, Johnny Wilkinson, so. With football. He was talking about he was talking about taking conversions once, and he was probably talking for about two minutes about like <laughs> his mind conversions. And uh, Clive Woodward, who I don't really like, was just sat next to him, and like I think he could tell he was going a bit overboard, and probably four people are going to think he's a bit weird. And Clive Woodward, <laughs> went, yeah, yeah, Johnny, he was like, why don't you just kick the ball, yeah? And uh, just calmed calmed him down a bit. But I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> What you say, what you say there um, about these outdated sort of pundits? It's the same. It's the same with football. Now you've got, you know, the major TV companies um, who are covering football. You know, Premier League, Champions League, so the likes of the BBC, Sky, BT. They're using the same, and now Amazon actually. But they're using the same group of, of pundits. You know, your, your Michael Owens, your Jermaine Geniuses, your, your Roy Keynes. <laughs> And to be honest, a lot of them, a lot of them, you know, many feel that they don't represent, you know, they don't get enough out of them. I mean, the question I want to ask is, do you, do you prefer stats-based analysis or purely, you know, arguments? Is that good TV? I, I can see the stats argument, but have, have you seen, um, have you seen like watching sport in America and then you see all this pundit talk in America on ESPN and stuff and half the guys are, are just are just stats guys that have got no history and it's just... You don't respect him at all. I mean, I can understand yeah. people like this is your Garth Crookses, even though he, he's pretty funny every now and then. Garth what what are they doing? What what are they doing there? I hate I hate the stats. I hate stats, men. But let me tell you what I hate more. I hate. I honestly hate the likes of Jermaine Genius. Uh, who's the miserable bald one? Danny Murphy. I, I cannot stand. But he's him. a grumpy boy. Him. But he offers, he just offers nothing. He offers, you know who else is a moron, but he's just on there purely for entertainment. Ian Wright. Ian Wright isn't, he's not giving, not giving me any new information. He's literally on there because he's just like an idiot and people think he's funny. The, I, like, you know, I like that guy. Roy, I like that Roy, guy. Keane, Roy Keane is somebody who, yes, I know a lot of people disagree with, but he's good value. And because of what, because of what he's achieved in football, um, people respect, even if they don't agree with him, they're, they're happy to listen to him. It's the same with Sunes. I think a lot of people think Sunes is quite old-fashioned. 
However, if you look at his trophy count and whatever, you know, he was uh, a bit of a baller back in the day. People think they're a bit old-fashioned, but they're, they're good. Um, and then, like, you know, people who they get in every now and then, like, ever... I'll tell you what, Thierry Henry was awful. He was mm. on three mil a year for this guy, I think, and he was absolutely awful. He offered absolutely nothing. No, he wouldn't even give an opinion. He'd just agree with whoever was on with him. You know, and I quite like listening to a lot of the up-and-coming sort of stats. I know you talk about this whole thing about respect and you're more likely to listen to these ex-footballers, but when you have, you know, people coming on and they're talking stats and they're actually doing more analysis of the game rather than, you know, saying, oh, he should have done more for me there or you've got to hit the target there. You know, know, but like people like, I don't know, Liam Rossini, who's a brilliant, I think, a brilliant football league pundit. And, you know, you've got these journalists who are up-and-coming, you know, providing insights uh, from a different sort of perspective. I know the argument that you know you're, you're watching it for TV, but for purely information basis, is that is that not a better not a better value? I mean, I can see I can see what you mean. Um, I, I just think why can't we have both pundits that uh, that have experience and don't chat shit? I mean, I mean, when we're talking about most of uh, female punditry, there's a lot of times when you're honestly thinking, "What are you doing here?" But there are a few exceptions, and one of those is uh, Alex Scott. Um, I don't know what. You- of Alex Scott, but I'm I'm a huge fan. Not yeah. in the looking at her is, is amazing, but also actually listening to her, she's actually got something about her. She is very insightful. I, no, I completely agree with you. And it's you know it's just a different sort of perspective. She comes across very you know friendly and very cheerful. You know it's a different sort of mood when when you listen to her rather than you know grumpy old Danny Murphy and Roy Keane. But um, the, the other pundits yeah. also get a lot more cheerful with her. Yeah. If you don't, they, they, they can't get grumpy in front of her. You, they, I think that's worth noticing. Yeah. Have you seen Have you seen that video of um, who's that? Uh, the footballer who, or he, the the black footballer who's a pundit as well, and he's dead miserable. Uh, and he, there's a video of him and her online, and he keeps like cutting her off every time she says something, and what? And he's like dismissing what she says, even though it's like fair enough what she's saying. And he's just such, like, he's, he's not a good pundit at all. And he's got a son who plays football. His son was at AC Milan for a bit. Oh, I can't remember his Is name. Is it Paul Ince? Paul Ince, yeah. That, that's the one. Have you seen Have you seen the video of him basically shutting her down? I'm afraid I haven't seen it, but uh, I, 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 that, I don't that, think Paul Ince offers anything. No, that's what I mean, though. That's the difference, like, you can see in that video where she actually is, like, having a bit of value and he's just a moron. And uh, I, I, I don't like him either. To be honest, if you think about how many pundits there actually are for football, talk about the Champions League. I think Ferdinand is a moron. All he does is scream. <laughs> I, I think I think he plays up to you know on BT how like they'll they'll film the reaction of the studio and stuff like that. I think Ferdinand really plays up to that. He like jumps out his seat. Hundred percent. I think I don't think you would do that if he wasn't getting filmed. Um, and I, yeah. Like, no. I, I don't really like a lot of their pundits. To us, I think there's not, given how many pundits there are, I think there's very few uh, that are actually good. I mean, obviously, you're cream of the crop. You've got Eugene Neville, I think he's outstanding. Um, Carragher, very good as well. But to be honest, it's because they're just they're just saying, like they're telling you something you might not have thought about on you, but they're just saying it in a very practical way. Mm-hmm. I think they're more relatable, whereas the other ones are like too thick to come up with something. Or they're just talking out of us. I think I think I definitely agree with that Rio Ferdinand point. I mean, I just I mean this this uh, podcast has been filmed uh, the day after uh, Manchester United lost or lost at home to Burnley, and uh, I remember when when Solskjaer started, he was 
constantly talking about signing him up for five years. And and then he's just turned his back on him straight away after all this. He hasn't realised that he's actually wrong. and He hasn't got the balls to admit online that he's wrong. And I think that speaks a lot. Remember when he said that about um, that tweet he put out about Newcastle fans saying that we shouldn't be giving Mike Ashley such a hard time and all this. And he said, oh, your club's making money and all this. And then Shearer tweeted him back, like saying, well, actually, Rio, uh, you're completely wrong. Yeah. I haven't made money and all this. And he's actually sells caps or something in Sports Direct. And you just think, oh, that just sums you up. He's just, you know, absolute piece of work, Ferdinand. Talking about Manchester yeah. United um, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, surely it's the end of the road for him. It's got to be. I know well, the board have come back and said... I, I know, but, I, you know, Manchester United, one of the, if not the biggest club in the world, and when there's managers like Pochettino, Allegri available... Maybe, maybe the discussion's already being had with Poch in the fact that they could say, do you want to start at the, end of, at the start of next season? I mean, maybe that's all just already happened and we, we don't know about it. I mean, but there's one thing that's for sure. He, he should be out by the end of this season. Hmm. I think this is, what, this is what really annoys me about Man United, is that the, when they've appointed him, it's just completely an impulsive decision. He came in uh-huh. with a struggling, te- struggling team who basically you have sort of uh, period, um, the honeymoon period where they sort of winning everything. And this is the only thing I don't really like about, well, not, I don't dislike Neville for it, but I think Neville's a bit stupid as well. Because Gary Neville's been saying for years how great Pochettino is, blah, blah, blah. And then all he got to Stolshaw started winning some matches. And then Neville starts going. He just completely throws logic out the window and he goes, yeah, yeah, no, actually just give it to Ollie because the young players are playing well. Mm. And uh, I think that was the wrong decision. I think they should have kept him on until the end of the season, said thank you very much, and then put in somebody. I know he wasn't available at the time, but somebody like a Pochettino. Mm. But I think definitely keep Ollie in until the end of the season and get Pochettino in. That, that is the, the... I just can't see how they couldn't do that. It's just <laughs> stupid otherwise. Just scrolling down my Instagram feed and um, I've uh, come across a um, an article from the re- the very reputable news outlet, the Sport Bible, who say Manchester United are considering a move to re-sign former striker Carlos Tevez on loan from Boca Juniors. And, it, and I know these are you know all rumours, you know these sort of allies, but you know they've been linked with every man under the sun really, and you know the best players. You know the the players that have come through their their academy. I would get rid of Pogba. I don't know why they're still hanging on with him. Just get rid of Pogba. He seems to be such a problem. He is an absolute dosser. An absolute dosser, Pogba. He's not such a bad apple because he's got that reputation now. He's just always cropping up in the news, press conferences, everything. So even if he's not doing anything wrong, automatically people think it is him. So just get rid of the problem. He's not worth keeping. People say, oh, he's a world-class player and stuff. You know, I, I don't really think he's that good. I think he's, on his day, he's a, good, he's a good player. He's athletic. He's good going forward. But he's done nothing else. And it's just, oh. John, your team, West Ham United. I mean, they lost 4-1 yesterday to, to Leicester. They're sitting literally on goal difference just above the, um, the relegation zone. Are they doomed? It, this is a this is a good question. Um, yesterday was incredibly disappointing. Um, I was hoping to at least almost get a draw or something. Given the squad that we've got, we we really should be top half of the table. Um, and the fact that with our squad and our new signing Alea, um, we've only scored one header this season. I think I think that speaks volumes for what the squad's doing. Um, I've, I've looked ahead at the fixtures 
that we've still got. We've still got to play Liverpool twice, and that's one of those is next week, and that's I think that's away. Still got to play City away. Still got to play Arsenal away. Still got to play Spurs away. Still got to play United away. Um, so things up really aren't looking good. And if we lose badly against Liverpool uh, next week, we, we're in the we're in the bottom three. I mean, I do like Moisey. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's He's got he's got previous uh, success, but um, I, I can't tell. It's so tight. I don't know what you guys think, but it's so tight at the bottom this year. Joey, know your um, Newcastle. Oh, Joey, Joey, yeah, I forgot. I forgot Joey's uh, interest levels in uh, in in soccer. Um, well, if you didn't see it the other day, uh, <laughs> you obviously were hidden under a rock because we're ninety three minutes into a ninety plus four game. Newcastle United were 2-0 down. Um, and the match finished 2-2, courtesy of Jordan Pickford's short dinosaur arms. So, good result for Newcastle after what was a bit of a shocking performance. And to be honest, I've got a mate who's an Everton fan, and I just love the fact that that's happened to them. I absolutely love it. I don't know how they've landed Ancelotti. If that was Ancelotti, I wouldn't go near Yeah, how has that happened? I've got absolutely zero clue. Now, Ancelotti is at that absolute shite club. It is such a rubbish club. Isn't it like the most depressing club in, in the Premier League? Because they've just won the least <laughs> thing. No, it is. It. I think that was like a stat that came out. They were Everton. I, I could believe that. Yeah. Ancelotti's just so classy. Like, you know, AC Milan, he's been at Real Madrid, Chelsea, uh, you know, but he seems like a bit of a baller in London and all this. And now he's in Merseyside, but not even with the biggest club in Merseyside. He's with Everton, <laughs> whose ground is like a wooden shed. So, uh, bit of a strange one, but money talks, I suppose. Dear me, dear me. And um, Liverpool are in action, um, of course, tonight. They're currently 1-0 up against Wolverhampton Ronderers, and, um, you know, they're looking to extend their their lead at the top two. I think it's around 16 points, isn't it, The um, what it would go to? Uh, I, sensational I sort of stuff. More importantly, let's have a look in the Championship, and special shout-out to Preston North End. They're uh, on their way back to form after... No, sort of blundering during the festive period. Uh, big win against Barnsley in midweek with two goals from Tommy Buckusen. And they host Swansea at the weekend. I don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I fancy, uh, fancy going to the Olympic Park and uh, watching that game next season, West Ham Preston. What, is it in the Premier League? No, as in the championship chief. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish it was Premier League. It's going to be a dark horse. going to be a dark horse. So we're going to be in the Premier League. I'm, I'm backing us next season. We're going to come in a late season form and flicker up the automatic places. You, you watch our words. Okay, let's move on to some. Um, we've had a few questions sent to us this week. Uh, thank you to the listeners for sending us messages via Twitter and email. Let's just read out some of the uh, some of the questions for our panel. So on Twitter, we've had a, a direct message from a Richard Hooch, who says uh, Saracens are a disgrace and should be chucked out of the English league system. And another one, Dave from from Dinnington, uh, agrees with him, saying rugby isn't like football. We need to act hard on Saracens. The game has gone soft. Elsewhere, uh, uh, James Thompson from Sheffield messaging, saying, Hi all, great to hear some insight about films, particularly Entourage and Troy last week. More film (laughs) reviews, please. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, we don't have time on this podcast, but we'll make sure we um, we regular keep a, a film <laughs> uh, section. Actually, just a quick one, uh, just for the two of you. Uh, I'm currently watching The Sopranos. It's on Sky box sets. Is, have I reviewed two seen that? Um, I'm currently midway through season three. I think it's one of the, it's one of them seasons where you know I keep coming back to and you know never quite seem to finish it. Yeah, it's it's a long long sort of slog, but it's it's a very cool watch. I think The Sopranos. I do enjoy watching. I mean, it. I, I, I've heard very very about The Sopranos, but unfortunately, I cannot afford a subscription, so that's out of the out of the works. Maybe we could get a sponsorship. That would be absolutely ideal if anyone, what is it, Sky Entertainment is, is listening to this. You know, be Sky free, B. Be Sky B. Feel free to get in touch about um, sponsorships. We're, we're happy to, to you know put adverts on the show in, in return for um, episodes of The Sopranos. So um, please do get in touch. Getting back to the questions, we've, we've had an, an email through from a p.pickstock53. He says, hi, CBD. <laughs> Love the podcast, love the panel, love the debate. He's, he's a big fan of the show, um, and he's also a big fan of a certain TV show at the moment, which goes by the name of SAS Who Dares Wins. Uh, I'm a big Great fan show. of Ant Middleton, and I think he would be a brilliant guest on your show. What do you think of Ant Middleton, boys? Um, well, can I just say, I've just finished reading his first book, uh, which is called First Man In. So uh, basically, quick synopsis for you. It's basically about his background in the army um, and how he got to be in the SBS. He wasn't actually SAS. He was SBS, which is Special Boat Service. Uh, And it's a fascinating read, to be honest. He's he's clearly a psycho, um, had some issues in his childhood. Um, I think anyone who gets to that level of um, special forces tends to have issues. I think they kind of look for people who've got issues. Um, but the man is crazy. That's what I can say. He's absolutely crazy. I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you a little funny bit in, in this. So he gets put in jail after he drops a police officer. <laughs> so he ends, he ends up in prison, right? And uh, he says, first day that he's in prison, basically he walks in and he's been given his food card and some guys are in the prison yard, like off, out for good behaviour. And the guy says to him, oh, let me have a look at your uh, prison card, uh, your food card. And he goes, no, no, it's all right. I know how it works. And the guy goes, no, no, like, I'll show you how it works. And he goes, trust me, I know how it works. You don't need to have a look at it. And then this guy basically tries to intimidate him. And he says, uh, no, no, I'm a good, like, a good prisoner. Let me have a look at it. And somebody else from the other side of the hall shouts something across to them, tells them to shut up. So Ant Middleton stands up. This is his first day in prison. He tells the one across the hall, just like basically shut the fuck up. Go, and he goes mental. And then the guy who's trying to intimidate him apparently sits down, like, you know, a bit worried about it. And then he gets in his face as well, and he tells him, basically, not to bother him. And then this is what he says. Instead of, like, saying, oh, I was thinking, how am I going to survive in this prison? I'm so scared. He's saying, how am I going to survive in this prison without breaking somebody's jaw and getting extra time? I honestly don't (laughs) think I'm going to be able to survive for, like, 18 months or whatever it is without breaking somebody's jaw. I mean, does that not just sum the man up? If it was Mm -hmm. me, I'd be petrified. And he's worried about breaking people's jaws. That's his biggest fear. I mean, well, yeah, like you say, you know, you've got to be a certain type of character to, to you know, go through this SES sort of training. Um, could you, how long would you two last on the show? Myself personally, I, I, myself personally, I, I, see, I see myself lasting a good solid five minutes until the jog into the, uh, into, into the hills has got past a kilometre. That is when I'm handing my badge in. There's actually, I'll get a stitch. No chance. There's a couple of things I wouldn't mind doing, though. 
wouldn't mind doing the the jumps off like the cliffs. That looks fucking class, and like the all that sort of shit. And the interrogation, I want to give that a go, but any sort of fitness, you know me, boys, as a tight head prop. Unless it's scrum time, I'm I'm not really interested. <laughs> I would hate to do. You know when they've got to stand on the they've got to stand quite high up on the water, shut their eyes, cross their arms over their shoulders, and just fall backwards. Well, I actually I actually tried that just in the pool on holiday, and it's absolutely terrifying just not knowing where you're going to fall. <laughs> So I don't know if I could do it in the freezing cold water from about. Yeah, if you can't, yeah. if you can't do that into a um, <laughs> fifty centimetre pool in Benidorm in your in your briefs, I'm, I'm sure you can't do it. Talking about who who would who would you say from a celebrity point of view? I'm talking people like Mark Wahlberg. Who would be the ultimate person to? I know you've got this the celebrity special SS, but you never get any like warriors really. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Warburg would be incredible. You couldn't crack him. The only thing that you could maybe break him with, obviously he used to be a bit of a, uh, a thug when he was younger, quite aggressive and whatnot. So maybe if you started bringing up those memories in like the interrogation room, you know, about him being a bad person and all that, that's the only way I could see him cracking because physically, you know, he's going to dominate. Um, and he's quite, he's quite a tough guy. He's, he's business savvy. I can't see many people doing better. I mean, you've got your other celebrities who are probably young, younger and fitter. You know, you like some Zac Efron and all that, but they haven't got the metal. They haven't been brought up on the mean streets of Boston like him. Um, so I would say Warburg. I, I personally, uh, I, I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't mind seeing people, celebrities that I don't like in there. Um, there's, there's people, obviously, that would kill. I think most sportsmen at the highest level and women would, would kill it, to be honest. But... Um, I think there's certain celebrities that, I mean, in everyone's case, that we'd love to see on that show. You know, like a Nish Kumar or something. I'd, I'd love to see that. Maybe. I quite like this in there, Nick Grimshaw in there. His voice does my head in. He does my <laughs> head. Or a Chris Moyles. A Chris Moyles would be good. Yeah, you know, um, you know Nicole Scherzinger, or however you say her name. Obviously, obviously she's a bit uh, of a bit of a worldie. Have you seen that she's going out now with that former Scottish rugby player? Tom Evans. Yeah. Head of a bush. I mean, he, <laughs> he's, uh, he's obviously uh, like a specimen, um, but still, I mean, she is unbelievable. Have you seen those nudes of her with uh, Lewis Hamilton? <laughs> I think, I think, I think, I mean, I think I may have seen those, um, those nude photos. <laughs> Just like to remind the panel that this is a, um, you know, PG. Uh, Could breastfeed a crash. <laughs> moving on um briefly let's have a look at the dosser of the week any nominations boys i'm i'm personally gonna go with um a mr brendan venter i think that's how you say his name he used to be with saracens in the past as a player and um, this week, in I mean, I know we're going to talk about Saracens, or well, you're going to talk about Saracens in the future, but he, he was he was on um, the rugby pod uh, yeah, like, in, yeah, in the last week. Today, yeah. um, and and he, his arguments, he was defending Saracens. Um, mm. The argument was that a team in the team in the nineties spent they spent loads of money on that and they were shit. And he also said, and I quote, <laughs> the "Saracens didn't give him the money." He he said that, and uh, that is bollocks. I just think every like everything he was saying, he's like just it has nothing to do with the salary cap. 
Like he was going on about the he was going on about the culture and how like they transform the culture by like taking bits of it from these different clubs. And then Andy Goose, who to be fair, like is a bit annoying sometimes, but he was saying, Well, Brendan, I'm not really debating that. I'm just saying that culture is a lot easier to get when you spend that much money on players, best players, which is spot on. And he literally has nothing to say. So Doss he's definitely a massive dosser. If anyone wants to uh, see this Dossa in action, there's a video on YouTube, um, a post-match interview where Saracens lost to Racing Metro, and um, I think you'll be able to. Sorelli Bombo, or whatever it's called. <laughs> it's where he's <laughs> channeling his inner Mike Bassett, wasn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think he was channeling that inner Mike Bassett. He is a Dossa. Other nominations? Have you seen that Finn Russell has has been removed <laughs> from the Scotland squad for a, a breach of team protocol? Surely that's their chances of uh, the Six Nations done and dusted. Is that, is that true? What's he done? Uh, it hasn't been disclosed, from, but from what I've heard, it's um, his, his his father a couple of years ago was sacked by the SRU and it was deemed unfairly and it's been rocky ever since. And so apparently this may have something to do with it. Well, we look forward to hearing developments on that, but for the time being, we look Finn... forward to England, Scotland yep. uh, in a couple of weeks' time. I look forward to that. Well, you know, Finn, I, I enjoy being remember, the Dosser uh, of the Week. I seem to remember last year um, watching England versus Scotland on a 32-inch 1980s television in uh, the Spread Eagle in Wandsworth, I think. Um, and by Cracking the time pub. the Calcutta, uh, Calcutta Cup match came on, I think uh, possibly you 2 had, had downed maybe 10 pints. Um, and when Scotland were coming back in the second half, I have very little recollection of that game, to be honest. It was uh, quite a boozy, super, super Saturday. That, 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 is, that is one hell of a pub, um, if anyone wants to visit it. I don't know about what you think of it. <laughs> oh, it's an absolute storm, mate. Um, what was it? You could get, you get Foster's, you get Bonnington's, I'm sure, in there as well. Oh, in London, that is a dream. We've got, we've got some plans this year for the England-Scotland England, England game. The Battle of Bannockburn, as it's been termed. <laughs> going to a pub called the George in London Bridge. Um, Which will you both be there? Is the, it is the oldest pub in London. Is it really? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Joey, will you be making an appearance or are you um, you're dodging, as usual? Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to be in Italy for the... Uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'm busy. I've got a hair appointment that day. Oh, sorry, yeah. I've got a nail appointment. You're running out of excuses, Cass. Just get yourself. Mr. Mr. Worldwide over here. Johnny Bisbee, I think this is very, very rich coming from you. Uh, Mr. didn't come out once for about two years until he moved out of London. (laughs) This is absolute, absolute raucous. He's got everybody in the area that he wants. He's demanding that I come down. Why don't you come up to Newcastle, John? You've been invited plenty of times. You've never made a, an appearance up here. Get something organised. I honestly don't think you could handle it. That's my biggest worry. My biggest worry is your ability to handle the peeve up north because it's a little bit stronger, even than in Preston. I'm not talking about Lancashire. I'm talking about a real northern boy. Oh dear, well get something organised then, you big dosser. You're lucky not to be in the dosser of the week again for the second time running, but uh, <laughs> I'll let you off this week. Um, any more topics, gents? Um, I would just, yeah, quickly, um, I would like your opinions on uh, a few things, and that is Champions League, obviously sort of been off the radar lately, but I want to get an early prediction. Winner of the Champions League from both of you. Um, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one out there and say Man City. Because they haven't, they aren't going to win the league, uh, and they probably are going to get top four. So, oh yeah, I'm going to go with City. 
I'm going to go Liverpool. I think they'll they're going to have the title wrapped up by what March, and they're just going to purely. I don't think they'll go unbeaten this season, Liverpool, for that reason. I think they're going to concentrate building the Champions League. I honestly can't see them losing. They they've been so good this season. They could honestly do the treble. And, you know, they're not not a great team until they've won, you know, major trophies uh, consistently. But if they win the treble, you know, they're going to be one of the best teams um, in the Premier League era. So, yeah, I go. And biggest challenge to that, City probably. You know, like like John said, they've been poor in the league this year. Barcelona, they were, they were poor yesterday against Ibiza. I'm not sure how they're going to cope, obviously, with the change of managers. Madrid's, again, not sure they got the career potential yet. I'm going Liverpool. Johnny, have you got any uh, summer holidays planned? Anything in the diary? Uh, I'm actually going to uh, America. I'm going to Las Vegas for a bit of a um, bit of activity with my family. Awesome. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe a few scoops and um, a few dabbles in the old uh, casinos um, over there. Ooh, yes. Who's a bigger boot for you, Dad? Dad's a bit like you. He has about four beers and uh, you know has to go home. But... <laughs> You've got some real balls on you when you're on this podcast. I'll give you that, John. Because I seem to remember a certain Johnny Bisbee at university falling asleep on the sofa uh, pretty much every night after about four pints. Yeah, I've got this thing down in London. It's, it's weird, isn't it? You're just so tired. You go out for a few pints after work when you're knackered. And you literally... I, I, I live in Ealing Broadway, so luckily I was at the end of the line when I fell asleep. But... Uh, I remember my old housemate Jack Wilson ended up in um, somewhere in East London when we were in Ealing Broadway. Cause he... Was it on the other end of the Central Line? Yeah, it was right on the other end of the Central Line. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody good journey. Very good journey from him, to be fair. What about you, John? Where's the service you've gotten to? Well, I actually went out for a few beers with yourself, Joey, and um, I had a big day the next day. Um, <laughs> so I, I went, we were in Brixton, I think, so I had to change at Stockwell, back to Ballon, um, which is, what, three stops, three, four stops. This was at about 12 o'clock. Got on, changed tube, fell asleep, um, obviously, and woke up going in the opposite direction in, in Tottenham Court Road at <laughs> half past five in the morning uh, i didn't get until gone seven yeah it wasn't wasn't, wasn't the greatest of, of day and, uh... <laughs> I remember, I I, I, shockingly enough john the reason i remember that is uh at about half 12 when we we're just about to go to the club you said oh sorry i've got a date tomorrow so i've got, I've got to go home <laughs> you didn't have to come on the night out and you didn't make the date either, so I think just demonstrating your pew dodging abilities once again. Yeah. If any listeners have got any <laughs> similar stories of um, late night antics on trains or tubes, please uh, <laughs> do let us know. Find us on Twitter, the Crashball Diaries, or give us an oh, email. Uh, John, I did want to bring up one one matter, um, just about your co-host Rob Edwards. Um, I wanted to talk about the work-life balance in Switzerland. Um, it appears that they um, seem to be striking what they think is a, is a good deal. Um, as you're aware, Rob has about 50, 50 days annual leave per year. Um, <laughs> he seems to be in London for most of them. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on the three-day working week that he does. Um, and, uh, I just wanted to know what you, you thought about that as a, as a co-host. I can't possibly comment on um on, on something I know right. You bottle job, you <laughs> He works very hard, obviously. He's um... he sat there he sat there now going, I'm still at my fucking desk at eight o'clock on a Friday, catchy little wanker. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeez, well, that's, uh, that's, that's another interesting topic. But I think it's time to end today's podcast. Um, thank you very much to Joey and Johnny for coming on on the show. Have you got any final remarks, gents, uh, about your time on the on the show? Uh, no, I don't. Get him off the fucking ground and hit him. Make sure he doesn't know where he's making up. If you want to get in these boys' face early, and the French are just stood there going, oh, what are these men fucking about? I, I, to be honest, Sean Edwards, great lad. How is he, he going to get that group going? Because the French are known for a bit of hostility towards the British. So, whether or not that's going to be Thanks for that, Jerry. And uh, on that bombshell, thank you very much for listening to the second episode of the Crashable Diaries. Make sure to tune into the Salary Cap special over the weekend. Have a great weekend. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you soon. Good night.